Praise the Lord. Let's turn to God's Word tonight, uh, and we're going to open our Bibles in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. I just want to pick up one verse uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It's a well-known verse for those who are believers. It might be the first time you've heard this verse tonight, but John, chapter 1, and verse uh, 29. Let's just pray as we turn together tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray... Lord, that you would come into this room, and Lord, you would speak to hearts tonight. Lord, we realize it's not by might, it's not by power, but Lord, it's by your Spirit. So Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit to do a work in this room tonight of conviction of sin, righteousness, the judgment to come. Lord, reveal yourself to people tonight by the Holy Spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit can open the eye unstop the ear. So, Lord, we pray tonight for the opening of eyes, for the blindfold to be removed, for the ears to be unstopped, and the glorious gospel to shine in the darkened souls and men and women be saved. Lord, give us help tonight. Lord, glorify your name. We pray all these mercies in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. John chapter 1 and verse 29. Just that one verse. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I just want to read it again. Just listen to the words. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What a statement, and what a revelation. This man, John, of course, John the baptizer, John the Baptist, we know he was the forerunner or the messenger sent from the Lord. In Matthew chapter 3, I just want to give you a little bit of background just to coming up to this day on which John announced to the world about 2,000 years ago, here's the Lamb that has come into the world to take away sin. In Matthew 3 and verse 1, it tells us about John as he came. He was preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and his message was very simple. He said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. It's found way back in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. The fulfillment of the prophecy 700 years later. Saying the voice of one that cries in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. It tells us something about John. says the same John had his raiment of camel's hair. A leather girdle about his loins. His meat was locusts and wild honey. He was a unique, he was a strange, he was an eccentric type of man and that's often what God uses. And then all the people from Jerusalem, Judea and all the region round about came to the Jordan, the River Jordan and they were baptized in the River Jordan confessing their sins. Jesus said of John these words, listen, John 5.35, that John the Baptist, he was a burning and a shining light 
And we were willing for a season to rejoice in this light. He had a message from God. He was a messenger. That's what he was. He was a messenger. And he had a message to deliver. Do you know, friend, tonight, I'm just a messenger with a message to deliver. That's all I am. A messenger with a message. But it's a message of life. It's a message of death, warning of death. It's a message of hope. It's a message tonight to everyone in this room. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the most important message you'll ever hear. The message of a lamb that came into the world to take away sin. His whole purpose, John, that is, his whole purpose was a message about someone else. And friend, we want to speak about someone else tonight. We want to speak about this man, Jesus. His whole purpose when, when he preached, he said that I, I must decrease and what he, that's Jesus, he must increase. Everything about what we're preaching tonight is not about a church. It's not about a church's name. It's not about a man's ministry. The whole reason why we're here tonight is to tell you about Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And so in John 1.15 John says these words, John bore witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I speak. He that cometh after me, that is Jesus, he's preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law, that's the Old Testament, was given by Moses, but grace, and was prayed tonight on merited favor, we don't deserve this, and truth, it comes by Jesus Christ. John, as he's baptizing in the River Jordan, this was a significant day. Just like tonight, if you're here, this is a significant day in your life. You may not think that. You may just have come along to please someone else, or you're just gathered in for whatever reason you've come. But this is the most significant day in your life. The next day, John seen Jesus coming. There's a man walking down that road towards the river Jordan. And John lifts up his eyes and all the crowds were around him. He was baptizing in the river Jordan and he stops the whole crowd and he gets everyone's attention just for a moment. If I could have your attention just for a moment, he says these words, Behold! The Lamb of God. And I would say at that moment, all the crying and what they were doing and what they were talking about and the business of their life and here and going there and what they're going to plan to do tomorrow. And all of a sudden, everything is directed. There is a cry from John the Baptist. Behold, it's the Lamb of God. And he's come to take away the sin of the world. Do you know that word behold means to consider? To look upon, to perceive, to understand, to look towards Him. It means that you would stop everything of what you're doing and everything of what you're engaged in just for a moment in time, just for a moment in the busyness of your life and all the things that's going on in your life, but just to stop for a minute. And John's saying, as it were, listen, would you look at this man? This man, Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. And He's come to take away the sin of the world, more importantly, he's come to take away the sin of every human in this room. The Lamb of God. And if you follow the shadow of this man, you know a shadow, like if it's sunny, and the sun was shining through this window not so long ago, and if I 
I nearly can see a shadow, but if I had stood here and the light was shining through, you would have seen a, an outline of my figure. may not have been a very good outline, but you'd have seen an outline of my figure. You might have been able to look at it and say, if you didn't know, that looks like Tim McElrath, but I'm not, I couldn't be sure. You could put David Woods beside me or Brent Porter, and the three of us could stand there. You would see the outline of us, and then you could guess which one is which. But you may not be 100% sure because I'm so thin and they're so... No, I'm not going <laughs> to... But you would be looking at the shadow. You would get the outline. You would get the shape. You would understand that that might be someone that you know. And as you're looking at it, you don't see the detail. You understand what I'm saying when you look at a shadow? When you look into the Old Testament, there's a shadow. When you look at Christ this day and the shadow of Jesus... It runs right the whole way back through this whole Old Testament. What did John say he was? He said he was the, what did he say he was? The, the lamb. The lamb that's come to take away this. So in the Old Testament, when you're reading it, there's a shadow and a figure and a type. And when you look at it, you know it's about Jesus, but you don't see all the detail and the fullness of him. Let me give you a couple of examples. Way back in Genesis chapter 22, there's a man called Abraham. Abraham had a miracle in his life. He was given a son, and that son's name was Isaac. And God had performed a miracle in Sarah's womb, and she brought forth this child when she was late in age. She had passed the years of childbearing, and she had this little boy called Isaac, and he was a miracle. And Abraham, this day, God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, now I want you to take your son, Isaac, and I'll tell you what I want you to do with him. I want you to take Isaac. I'll show you the place where to go. I'll show you the very spot on the mountain. But would you take your son, Isaac? Would you lead him up to that mountain? Would you lay him on an altar? And would you sacrifice your son to me? And Abraham believed God. He's the father of faith. And so he takes his little boy and he begins to walk and they're having a conversation and the servants are there and the donkeys are there. He has the wood for the altar. He has the fire and he makes the journey. And as they're making the journey up and they leave the donkey and they leave the servants and they're coming up towards that mountain. Abraham's walking along with his little son and his son asked the question which most sons would ask. Father, I understand here that we've got the wood. I know why we're here. There's going to be a burnt offering. We have the wood. We have the fire. We have everything. But Father, where's the lamb? Abraham looks at his son, brings forth one of the most tremendous revelations in the Old Testament of the lamb. He says, Son, God himself will provide for us a lamb. And they walk on up a little spot and the Lord says, this is the place that you're going to worship me. And Abraham builds that little altar, that wood, and he takes his son Isaac and he lays him out on that altar and he raises up that knife. And just as he's about to take that knife down upon his son, there's a voice that comes from heaven. And the Father of heaven says, don't touch the lad. And as Abraham turns around, there's a ram caught in the thicket. He's Jehovah Jireh. God himself will provide a lamb. That's a real story. But you see the shadow? See, when you're reading it, you begin to see there's an outline of something wonderful that was coming. 
Because there was a lamb, there was a substitute would come to die for us, for the divine, to die for every human person in this world, whether you're black or white, wherever country you're from, we're all born in sin, and there'll be a lamb that will be slain one day for my sin and for your sin. You travel forward of, of Several hundred years and Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, we're looking at the shadow. We're going to come to the fullness and the revelation of this lamb. But Israel now are finding themselves in bondage. They're in slavery. There's a pharaoh. There's an army that's over them. They're beat down. They're broken. They're bruised for hundreds of years. They're slaves. That's a type of us born in sin without Christ. We're born and shaping in iniquity. Sin leaves us in bondage, broken and bruised. And they're crying out every day. Is there not an answer? Is there not an answer for deliverance? Is there not an answer? Someone take away the voices that torment my mind. Talk, take away the loneliness, the agony, the pain, and the hurt. God heard the cry. Can I tell you, friend, tonight, God hears your cry. God hears your cry. Nobody else might hear it. Everyone else might give up on you. Everyone else might abandon you. The psychiatrist might abandon you. A family might abandon you. Friends might abandon you. But God hears your cry. And so they cried. God sends a great deliverer. His name was Moses. It was mentioned. And Moses comes. Moses brings that message, let my people go that they might serve me. And Pharaoh is a type of the devil. There's a real devil. Listen, there's a devil tonight that Jesus said that this thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy your life. But he's come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So they're in bondage. And Pharaoh hardens. He said, I'm going to hold on to them. I'm not going to release them. I want to tell you, friends, there's a battle in this room for your soul. And the devil will hold on to you. He'll lie to you. He'll whisper lies in your head. He'll whisper lies into your heart. He'll tell you this is not for you. He'll tell you you have no hope in this. These are all crazy. Well, friends, we might be crazy, but we'll find the answer. His name's Jesus. And so he says in all of that, all that's going on, now you take a lamb. Remember the lamb. Here is the shadow. Here is the type. He says, you take a lamb because the angel of death is coming. Remember that first lamb? It was the substitute for our sin. He died in our place. This next lamb, friends, there's a death coming. The Bible says it's appointed on the man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Listen, Woody Allen says, I don't want to, I, I don't, I just am not afraid of death, but I just don't want to be there when it happens. I'm going to tell you, friends, we'll all be there at our own death. It's appointed on the man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And so the angel of death was going to sweep through all of Egypt. Moses says, you'll take a lamb. Just take a lamb. You'll get that lamb and you'll sacrifice that lamb. You'll take the blood of that lamb. And you'll apply the blood upon the doorpost and the lintel of every wee mud house in Egypt. And when the angel of death comes sweeping in across Egypt, when, the angel of, when I see the blood, I will pass over. What's that saying, friends? When you get saved tonight, you still might go through the chill waters in the valley of death. But let me tell you, friends, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will be with you. Friends, if you die without the blood, if you die without Christ, if you die in your sin tonight, friends, you'll go to a lost eternity without Christ. And so the shadow is there was a lamb. And when the angel of death swept in to take the firstborn of every house, every house that had the blood on the door, was saved. 
And every house that didn't was lost. See the shadow? We move forward several hundred years and Israel's up against the Philistines. They're fighting. They don't know where to turn. And they turn to Samuel the prophet, 1 Samuel chapter 7. And they say, Samuel, pray for us. Intercede for us. What did he do? He took a lamb. He sacrificed that lamb. I'm going to tell you something. Here's great hope for us tonight. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Some of you might be sitting here tonight saying, but if I became a Christian, I'd never, I'd never be able to overcome my addictions. I'd never be able to be free. I'd never be able to overcome uh, sin and Satan. Let me tell you tonight, friends, not one of us can in our own strength, but the power, the power of Jesus Christ in a life, he sets us free from all sin. So the blood of the lamb... And you can go through this time and time again as the priest every day would offer up. He would offer up a lamb on the, on the behalf of, of the sins of the people and all the shadows and types. I could be here all night preaching about the shadow. And then you get it, friends, as John the Baptist, the messenger, as Isaiah prophesied of him, there's one coming. And he has a message. And it's a message of repentance that the kingdom of God is at hand. And as he's baptizing in the water, you get it now. You get the whole history in a few minutes. And I know I'm just going to cross it quickly. But all of a sudden when he looks up, no longer are we talking about shadows. No longer is it an outline. No longer are the prophets trying to search when will the Messiah come. But he looks up and John, a man full of the Holy Ghost, he said, here's the Lamb. He's come to take away the sin of you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and every man, and every woman, and every boy, and every girl, the preacher at the front, he's come to take away the sin of the whole world. What an answer. All of humanity has groaned and waited and longed for an hour that there be an answer to a broken life, to a broken heart, to a broken home. And now the answers come no longer by looking at the shadow. We're looking at the revelation and the reality. It's God in man. The fullness of God has come. It's God's lamb for the sin of the whole world. Think about it. Behold. Consider. Look at him. Take a moment. Just consider for a moment this lamb. Isaiah the prophet said that he was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He is brought, listen, as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. God's lamb, God's eternal son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God's lamb. He came into the world to save Sinners, the Lamb of God. He was slain, the Bible tells us. Listen, before the foundation of the world, it's God's eternal Lamb for the sins of humanity. Friends, no longer an outline. No longer an obscure story. But the reality, consider him. He's come to take away Sin. What's sin? Sin has destroyed this earth. Sin has. Sin destroys lives. Sin destroys homes. Sin. Friends, I want to tell you tonight the reason why our mental institutions are crammed full 
It's because of sin. I'll tell you why our prisons are crammed full. It's because of sin. I'll tell you why our homes are broken and marriages are broken and people don't know where to turn. It's because of sin. I'll tell you, friends, tonight, the drug scene and the scenes that are all around us and the darkness that are messing up young men and young women, I'll tell you what the root cause of it all is. It's sin. And the lambs come. The lambs come to take away sin. The Bible tells us there shall come out of Zion the deliverer. He'll turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. For centuries they had offered bulls and goats. For centuries they had offered every type of thing to try and take away their sin. But the Bible says these can never take away sins. But this man, that's Jesus. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. He's come to take away your sin. The, the word there, take away, is one word, and that is to lift up, to loose, to put away, or to remove. I tell you, when the Bible says, when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed, that's what happens. You're tr truly loosened of the power of sin, and you're truly set free. Stephen often says it in his testimony. He says he lived his life for 27 years and it was like there was a big heavy bag of coal on his back. He couldn't live. But the day he got saved, a burden rolled away and he's a free man. The power of sin is broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. I could never be a Christian. I could never live that life. You don't know what, what I'm involved in, what addiction I have. You don't know the torment I'm in. I'm going to tell you, friend, I may not know, but I do know the torment and the addiction that I was in. And I can tell you, sets the prisoner free. I can't live it, but he lives it in me and he lives it through me. The power of God to loose a prisoner. See, this isn't religion, friend. We have enough religion in this country to choke a donkey. We have religion everywhere. We don't need religion. What's religion going to do with you? You're going to try to get to God through all your religious acts. This is what Christianity is. God's coming down to where you are and he sets you free. That's the difference, isn't it? You might say tonight, well, how could I live it? How could I keep it? How could I do it? How could I get out of this mess? Let me tell you, friend, my mother's sitting here tonight and just over 25 years ago, I can remember, maybe six months before I got saved, I can remember one Sunday morning she came in from church. I'd been out binging for days. And I was lying in the room and there's blood. She's a witness to this. There's blood coming out of my mouth. It was a mess. I thought I was dying. I didn't know where to turn. Didn't know what to do. It brought me to the Belfast City Hospital. They lay me out in a bed in that ward. I was surrounded by three other men. They were all in their 70s, hardened drinkers. Men have been drinking for years. I'm 20 years old. My life's a mess. My heart's racing. I'm living in fear. Four o'clock in the morning, the wee man beside me decides to have a smoke and all the alarms are going off. I thought it was about to plunge into hell itself. The doctor stands at the end of a bed and says, Son, if you don't stop drinking, you'll be dead by your 25. That's the words of the doctor. When I got out the next day, listen, when I got out the next day from hospital, the first place I went was the bar because I was a prisoner and a slave to sin. Six months later, when I'm sitting in that apartment in Ealing and these things come back to you and I don't know where to turn, I'm filled with fear. I'm lonely. I know what loneliness is. 
That's what sin does to you. I know what it is to be isolated. That's what sin does to you. I know what it is to be filled with fear. That's what the devil and sin does. But friends, when I cried out and now we read not Tuesday night, God saved me. He saved me, friend. He saved me. Friends, if the Son will make you free, you'll be free indeed. This is the reality of the gospel. Oh, listen, if I could turn back the clock, I can tell you now, I'd turn it back. I'd have never wandered out of that fold. I'd have never left the instructions of a mother and father. But in the rebellion of this heart and thinking and believing the lie of the enemy, that I'm going to be all right out in that world. I'm going to tell you, friends, the enemy's a liar. And he's been a liar and a murderer from the beginning. But Jesus gives you hope and he gives you peace and he gives you life. It's only Christ. So he's come to take away the sin of the world. Friends, he breaks the power of sin. He's your scapegoat. You ever heard the word scapegoat? Someone that carries the can for you. Someone that takes, you know we say in this country, he took the rap for him. Have you ever heard that? There are a lot of people in the prison today that took the rap for somebody else. For the sake of a cause, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus took it all. I'm going to tell you, friends, he took it all. I mean, they beat the back of him. They, they beat him with their hands. They ripped the very hairs from his face. They mocked him. They stripped him naked. They put a crown of thorns in his head. They laughed and they mocked and they let him out. They led him up that hill called Calvary. This is Jesus. Friends, this wasn't a religious leader. This wasn't Mary. This wasn't Muhammad. This wasn't Hare Krishna. This was the Lamb of God. This was the creator of the universe. They led him up that lonely hill called Golgotha. They nailed him to that cross. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. He's come to take away the sin of the world. What do you think? That's a good story, Tim. I'm not sure, Tim. I I believe that to be true, but maybe it's not for me. I want to tell you about this lamb. From his birth to his death, from his birth to his death, listen very carefully, just for a few moments, not be much longer, but see from his birth to his death, now listen, he's the lamb has come to take away the sin of the world. But see, from his birth to his death, he was rejected. He was rejected. You remember the story so often read out at Christmas time. Tells us in Luke 2, verse 4, Joseph went up to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, onto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. Being great with charge is heavenly pregnant. And so it was that while they were there, the days have accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She laid him in the manger. This is what it says. Because there was no room for them in the inn. He's rejected. His hometown, where he brought that wonderful message in Luke chapter 4, when he said, listen to these words, remember he's the Lamb. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Nobody else could say this like him. 
He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken in heart, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You carry on down that verse and that chapter. His home synagogue, Luke 4:28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, listen, what did he come to do? Well, let me just re- recount that again. He's preached the gospel to the poor. He's here to heal the broken in heart. He's still here to do that tonight. He's here to preach deliverance to the captives, set the prisoner free, the recovering of sight, to set at liberty them at bruised. You get down to the end of that chapter. It says they're all filled with wrath. They're all filled with wrath. They rose up. What have they done with the lamb? They thrust him out of their city. We don't want him. No room in the inn. We don't want you. No room in your hometown. We thrust them out. The cities of <clears throat> Gorazin and the cities of Bethsaida experienced the mighty works of Jesus. Boy, they've seen healings. They've seen deliverances. Eyes were opened. Bodies were healed. Lepers were cleansed. The dead were raised. The gospel was preached. Friends, we've sat in meetings here and you're sitting amongst people tonight been healed of cancer, healed of diseases in their brain. I don't, can't remember the full name of it, Leanne, excuse me, but healed of, of incurable diseases, healed of epilepsy, touched of God, miracles have happened all around us. You've seen them. Young people in this church that aren't saved, you've seen them. You've seen the mighty works of God move in this place. Just like Corazon, just like Bethsaida. Jesus said, if the mighty works that were done here have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And he says, this is what he says, but I say unto you, this is what Jesus said, not me, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon, two ancient biblical cities at the day of judgment, than for you. Then he goes on to say, And now Capernaum, where most of the great works of Jesus were done, which are exalted unto the heaven, you'll be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom, remember Sodom, fire and brimstone, but if the mighty works had been done there, it says Sodom would still be here today. But I say unto you that it should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for them. I want to tell you, friend, you need to be very careful that you don't take for granted the mighty works of God that are happening all around us. Oh, I've seen that. But I'm still going to live in my sin and do whatever I want to do. I'm going to tell you, friends, you need to take note. He was rejected in these cities, even though there was great and mighty works. Pilate, on that great day, when there was Barabbas and there was Jesus, and it was the custom that at that time they would release one, And he goes out to the mob that are standing and the crowds are there before him. And Pilate says, who am I going to release? Barabbas was a rascal. He was a thief. He's a liar. He's a criminal. The crowd began to cry, release Barabbas. Just let Barabbas go. But what about Jesus? What about Jesus? What about the lamb 
of God that's come in to the world to take away sin. What about him? What about Jesus? And they all said, let him be crucified. He was rejected. He was rejected at his birth, in his hometown, in the cities where he healed the sick, delivered the oppressed, opened the blinded eye. And on that great day, as he's heading straight for the cross, God's Lamb, for you and for me, he was rejected by the crowd. Friends, he was rejected by the world. The Bible tells us, John 1 and 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. Think about it. The whole world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came on to his own, was it say, and his own received him not. We don't want this Jesus. We don't want the Lamb. We don't want our sins removed. We want to live in our sin. Ah, Bible tells us the pleasures of sin. No, when you're young, I was once young. You see, when you're young, you're going to take on the world. Remember? Oh, I tell you, you're ready for it. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to live it up. I'm not that old. I know we've done a wee survey on the old and the young a few weeks ago. I want to tell you some friends. You realize life's very short. And life's very precious. And we're only here for a short space of time. And all the wrangling around about sin and life and choices. I'm going to tell you, friends, if you think about it, you're only one breath away from eternity. When I think of that and think of the places that I was in and the people that I was involved in, some of them are already murdered and gone to a lost eternity. And I think of the, the, the places I used to go Oh, God is merciful. By no other means do I stand here tonight other than the means and the merits and the grace of God. They rejected him. They rejected the Lamb who's come to save, to take away their sin. They rejected. Let me just ask you tonight, come to a close in a minute. What will you do with the lamb? What will you do with the lamb? What will you do with them? Your answer to your life is Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the answer to every human heart. He's the answer to every life. Sin's destroyed you. And all he wants to do is take away your sin and give you life. All you have to do is repent of your sin. Turn away from it and put your trust in Jesus. Do you want him? i tell you why. Some of you are going to say no. And I believe some of you are going to say, I do want him. i tell you why. The ones that are going to reject Jesus tonight, I want you to hear, because I want to tell you why. You might think it's because you have some really clever argument about this. Or you might have some religious explanation. Or, or you might have some... I tell you why you're going to. I tell you why you're going to reject him. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that don't believe. 
Who's the God of this world? You're being duped by the devil. For those tonight in this room, you've come in, and I, I want you to hear me carefully and clearly. There's people have come into this room and seeing your life, your life's a storm at the minute. You are going through hell. The winds are blowing. Everything's happening. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know how you're going to survive. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You're nearly afraid to go home with your head in your pillow tonight. Listen to me. I want you to listen to me. We've got an answer for you. In the Bible, John chapter 6, listen. I want you to hear this. This is life. In the Bible, John chapter 6, verse 18. Disciples are in a boat. The winds are blowing. Storms come. Didn't look good. They're out in the middle of the sea. Then listen carefully. Then they saw Jesus walking on the water. Listen to what happened. And he said unto them, I want to say unto you what Jesus is saying to you tonight. It is I. Don't be afraid. What happened next? Verse 21 of John 6. Then they willingly received him. Oh, receive him into your heart. Receive him into your life. They received him into the ship. And immediately the ship was on land. You're in a storm tonight. Jesus is in this room. Receive him. Receive him willingly. You see, you've got a will tonight. You're going to make a choice. Yes, I'm going to reject the lamb. Remember Zacchaeus, the wee man up the tree? I'm sure you heard about him in Sunday school. It tells us that he looked and saw Jesus. And Jesus looked and saw Zacchaeus. And he said, make haste. Come down, for today I must abide in your house. Zacchaeus made haste. He came down. What Zacchaeus did? He received him joyfully. Receive him willfully and receive him. I tell you, there's nothing like the joy of the Lord. Can I tell you something tonight? You probably, if you're just visiting first time, I started singing, and then next minute the tambourines go, you probably went, what's going on in here? Listen, there hasn't been an ounce or a pint of beer or a, a bit of Smirnoff or any of those things tonight taken. There's the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Those things don't satisfy us. It's not because I'm not allowed to go to a bar. I don't want to go to a bar. I've found Jesus. He's the satisfaction and he's the joy. The Bible tells us in John 1 and 12, but as many, as many, some of you here are going to make a choice tonight. You're going to make a choice. You're going to do it your way or you're going to come to Jesus. But the Bible says, but as many as received them, John 1 and 12, to them, listen, this isn't religion, to them give he the power. I want to tell you something about the new birth. When you put your trust in Jesus and repent of your sin, he says, I'm going to give you power. You're going to, become, you're going to be given power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. I don't know what name you're believing in, but there's only one name. That's the name of Jesus. If you receive him tonight, if you repent of your sin, 
He'll give you power to become the sons and daughters of God. The world is filled with broken lives, broken homes, hurting lives, rejected lives. Friends, there's a God that cares. There's a God that cares. He's actually touched. If you don't know, if you're sitting here tonight and you feel or you've experienced rejection, there are a lot of rejected people, rejected from families, rejected from society, rejected. It just goes on. Jesus knows everything about rejection. From his birth to his death, he was rejected. And this world is filled. You remember the story that Jesus told about the farmer had a hundred sheep and he's counting all the sheep in. He gets right up to 99, realizes there's one wee lamb that's missing. And so the farmer, he leaves all the 99 and he starts searching out the one. That's exactly what we're here about. There's one person at least. You're just like that lamb. You have wandered. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned our own way. We've wandered. We've gone astray. We're abandoned. We're lonely. Sin's destroyed us. The devil's lied to us. We're broken and bruised in a world because of our sin. And then there's a good shepherd. He comes across the fields and the hills in the dark, stormy night. So what he's looking for? He's looking for you. What will you do with this Jesus? What will you do with the lamb? Will you reject him? Do you know, I close with this story. This is my third time I close, but I am going to close. A few years ago, the lads and I, we wanted, probably more me, we wanted to get a few goats. I love goats. So we got these wee goats. And obviously we want to have baby goats. Sorry, I'm not a farmer. I'm from the city, so it's, these are city terms. So we want to have wee baby goats. So we obviously got the wee Billy. We got the wee mummy. Put them together. And we says, well, that nature takes its course here. And so we left it for a few months. And then I knew, not because mummy goat was getting bigger, so I knew something's happened. And so one day when we went out, I can remember looking over the fence. There was this wee small, beautiful wee kid. Got so excited. I can remember running into the boys and saying, we've got babies. I know it's kids. So they all come running out and we're looking at this. with triplets. There's one, there's two, there's three. Do you know when these things, these things actually affect me, you're going to say he's strange. I know. But one day I was standing at the fence out the back just after a couple of days and I seen all the wee kids running about. The two wee kids, the three wee kids were running up and two of the wee kids were were sucking and getting fed by mummy. But then I noticed when one wee kid tried to come over, the mummy began to kick the kid away. So I watched it for an hour while and then the wee kid, because it was hungry, came again. And the mummy would butt the kid away. And friends, I watched for two or three days as that wee kid kept coming for food. And the mummy kept rejecting it. 
And I stood at that fence. I'm not ashamed to say it. There was tears near running down my face. It was awful. But the third day, the wee kid that was rejected just stayed in the corner, shivering, shaking, malnourished. And we had to go and pick that wee kid up and had to feed it ourselves. I want to tell you something, friends. Rejection has a powerful effect on the human heart. Jesus was rejected by the world. Nobody was rejected like Jesus. If you're here tonight and that's your life story, rejected. Let me tell you something. He knows all about it. He was rejected. But if you come to him tonight, he will receive you and give you the power to become a son and a daughter of God. What will you do with the lamb? What will you do tonight? Will you reject him? Or will you receive him? To receive him, you must repent and believe that he is the lamb that died on that cross. Let's pray together tonight.